Speaking of last night, first off, let me thank the volunteers that helped set up, helped clean up. Uh, all of you that came out and set up your trunks, uh, donated candy drinks, those guys that cooked for us, the ladies and everybody that served there. I want to thank everybody for their participation last night. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. I really, I know, I don't know where she's at. She might be in the back. I want to thank Claire for organizing and putting this whole thing together. She did an amazing job of running this event last night. And I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of people that showed up. If you were here, you were probably just as frightened as I was when I looked at my candy bowl and saw the amount of people that came. It was unbelievable. However, some of y'all left too early. It ended at 6.30. Shame on you. And we had two prizes. Uh, Claire had put together uh, some really cool things here to award our most creative and best all-around trunks. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you real quick that we had definitely the trunkiest trunks of, in Reedsville because there was a lot of churches last night. But we threw down, folks. We had some amazing trunks. And last night, the most creative one goes to the Coburns. If you'll come up, most creative. Yeah, come on up, buddy. This is his award, their family. His was Build My Church, and he had Lego blocks with all the books of the Bible. Congratulations. You need to hang that up. That's most creative. Now, I know that a lot of you probably are aware that there was a very special Christmas trunk last night that didn't do so well. <laughs> so I'd just like to give that trunk an honorable mention. No. Best overall was an absolutely stunning, fantastic trunk. Actually, it was the bed of a truck. And... Uh, Best overall for 2022 goes to the Haley's. Tyler, if you'll come up. They had their truck like a stagecoach. Congrats, buddy. Like a stagecoach. And of course, the two of them were on a bale of hay sitting like as if they were. It was, it was awesome. It, it, was, it was wonderful. But it was a lot of fun to do that with you guys. And again, if you see Claire, please give her a pat on the back or a thumbs up because she did an amazing, amazing job. Well, we're going to start this morning, we're going to talk about wondrous love, wondrous love. And I know he's going to put it up there, if you want to turn to 1 John 4.19, it's one verse, it's a simple verse, it's short. I know you're used to me reading a chapter or six or more verses at a time, but we're going to look at one verse, 1 John 4.19. And it says this, we love because he first loved us. We love because He first loved us, which means His love came first. Ours has a cause. Ours is because, okay? So I want you to remember that. Now, love's been on my mind for the last couple weeks, and I'm going to share this with you. I won't name the places, but um, I have been to quite a few places last couple weeks here in Reedsville and outside of Reedsville, uh, participating in the normality of life, like all of you. And in these places, I have noticed something. I've noticed some horrible speech and treatment of other people. Uh, not anyone I know, I'm just watching their behaviors and observing. I've noticed like the lack of love. Almost, is love actually non-existent? Because when I'm watching these people and how they're interacting, my thought is, are they loved? Are they even experiencing love? Because they're not able to return it. So it makes me think they're running on empty. 
Because when you're able to experience love and you're filled with love, guess what you can do? You get to return that love. And when I'm out in these public places, I keep thinking to myself, this is horrible. Love is non-existent. So I said, well, what is it that you should do, Mark? What is your responsibility here? Because I got to thinking from the Christian perspective, what needs to change? Well, the Christian must be the difference. The Christian must make the difference. Because our love is in response to God's love. And that's what we're going to talk about today. See, the more you and I are aware of God's love, the more we are going to love in return. And it is a very good thing. It is a very good thing for you and I, for believers that meet together, to constantly be renewed and reminded in the knowledge of God's love and what that love looks like. Whether we proclaim it in worship right now, or we just read about it in the Bible, or we discuss it with each other, God's love needs to be what we think about. It needs to be what we consider just how much he loves us, how much he has shaped and molded our very individual lives, okay, each of us, through his love and care. So what I'm trying to say, Christians, is you and I are experiencing firsthand God's love in action. Do we make a difference? Are we different? The normality of life puts us in awkward positions and situations, And sometimes you may be the only act of love in that situation, in that place. You. And that should be in response to God's love. So let's talk about characteristics. Now, I find this fascinating. I'm going to just break up. This is not an exhaustive list. I want to break up some characteristics of God's love so we begin to understand what we have. God's love is causeless. We have cause. His is not. Without cause. It's unwarranted. It's unmerited. This means that the love of God is completely free in His giving or His holding back. Let me ask you this. How did humanity attract the love of God? You know, I mean, what is it that draws God's love to us? Because I would think it'd be more along the lines of this, that it would, would push away or drive away God's love for his created creatures. I think there's more in us that dr- would drive him away, you know? Uh, another expression would be to chase away, right? Maybe that's a better way to describe it. Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8 says this, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh the king. See, right here, Moses is telling Israel that God loves you because he wants to. That's the reason you're loved. Because he wants to. He chooses to love you. Israel did nothing, and if you read the Old Testament, (laughs) that's the evidence. Israel did nothing to prompt God's love. They did nothing to merit this love. Yet, he loves them, and just like Israel, just like Israel, you and I, too, are loved. Simply because he chooses to. He chooses to. So 1 John 4.19, we love 
because he first loved us, it starts to take shape for a Christian, for a believer. So love is causeless, right? He first loved us. So we have cause, I want to say this again, and we'll have great cause to love him, but his love is causeless. Another characteristic is that it is eternal. It is eternal. Now, this is tough for us to grasp, and I'm right there with you. Human beings with finite minds attempting to understand such a concept as eternity. You know, we can explain it to the best of our ability, but to really fathom it, it's, it's out of our reach. But regardless, it is the truth. God is eternal, and His love is eternal. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So God is eternal. God is love. Since God has no beginning, His love has no beginning. We're not talking about feelings here. We are talking about an amazing act of God. His love is not only eternal, folks. It is historical. It is absolutely historical. Historical. We can see His love for His creation in the love story of Scripture. You can see it. I promise you. And the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 3.3, he says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Folks, everlasting, that's forever. That's eternal. And that's prophesied. God's love is universal. It's universal. Who does God love? Well, He loves all people. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He loved the world, all of His creation. And Scripture states, whoever believes. Now, we cannot define or set parameters for the word whoever. This is an act of His love. In 1 Timothy 2.4, it states this, talking about God, it states this, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, God gave His only Son for all The all are those who have chosen and will choose to believe in Him. Not all people, all that will choose or have chosen to believe in Him. And I hope that's you today. It's universal. God's love is boundless. Here's another awesome characteristic. Everything about God, His power, His knowledge, and yes, His unbounded love is without limit. His great love for us has no limitations. In fact, let's read Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being being rich in mercy because of the great love which He loved us, right? Great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We cannot estimate the love God has for us. We try to sum it up. We try to put it in a bottle. We cannot estimate the love that God has for us. It is boundless. And it's unchanging. Thank you, God, for that. God's love is unchanging. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
See, God does not change, nor to His promises or His purposes, and this extends to His love. His love is unchanging. Just think about this. Let's read this together, and I, this is profound. Romans 8, 35-39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Think about it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. My goodness, have you ever really just looked at that verse and heard those words? There are a lot of things that will separate each other, you and I, from from loving each other. Absolutely. Marriages are separated. Children and parents, separated. There's a lot, but not with Jesus. And if you really look at these words, it will strike your heart. You know, think about Jesus on his last night. Let's just talk about this for a second, because this blows my mind. On his last night, he was spending time with his disciples. And during this time, he was betrayed, he was abandoned, he was denied, yet his love did not change. He was still committed to the greatest expression of love that mankind could ever know, and that is the cross. <clears throat> That's amazing. Somebody give me some water. Ready to give me some water, please? Thank you. <clears throat> so, I want to let me let me put it this way. Let's say three of you guys came up to me, three or four of you, say, hey, Pastor Mark, we did something bad. And yeah, you know who you are. Will you take a beating for us to get us in the clear? Sure, I'll take a beating for you. Is it going to be bad? Yes, it's going to be pretty bad. Okay, so I'm going to take a severe beating to clear your name. Yes. So I'll just name you betrayed, abandoned, and denied. i got three people here, okay? So I'm going up to this group, and I'm like, hi, I'm here to receive this uh, severe beating for these guys. I want to clear them. Okay. So all of a sudden... I uh, am ready to take this. Thank you so much. You are a blessing. I about to take this beating after this sip of water. And I look behind me and you're all gone. You take off. Denied left, abandoned left, betrayed left. Now I'm going to tell you as a human being that knows what a beating feels like, I'm going to say, hold on. Hold it. I, uh, I'd like to renegotiate. I do not want to have this beating. I thought they'd all stay and watch. You know, I thought they'd be a part of it at least and witness this. They all took off. I don't want to do it. As a human, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, I would talk my way out of that beating and take off very fast. Jesus, the same thing happened to him. The same thing happened to him, right? Yet he was committed to it and continued on. Where we would have run the other way, he was committed to it. In fact, John tells us in chapter 13 of his self-titled book that Jesus, having loved his own, right, who were in the world, these disciples, he loved them to the end. 
Even though they did the things they did, he loved them to the end. His love has no variation. It is unchanging. And regardless of what happened that night, he was going to the cross. And that is an expression of love that we just cannot get around. It is unbelievable, but it's believable. You get what I'm saying? So that is a wonderful, wonderful characteristic that it's unchanging. And it's, and it's holy. God's love is holy. God is holy uh, his love is holy, and God is not weak or soft on sin. Let's clear this. He is not weak or soft on sin towards the ones he loves. Folks, he's not going to turn a blind eye based on sentiment or based on, on, on some type of feeling, right? His love is holy and is regulated by principle. God will be God. Do not think that ah, he's going to let me slide by on this one. God will be God. So we are instructed to be holy as well. 1 Peter 1.16 you shall be holy, for I am holy. So let me just recap. Think about these characteristics. Again, these are not an exhaustive list. God's love is causeless. It's eternal. It's universal. It's boundless. It's unchanging. And it's holy. We should be concentrating and allowing these, cap uh, these characteristics to capture our attention. Because God's love is a wondrous and amazing love. That's why so many people put words like that to song. Because it's a wondrous and amazing love. So what are the results of this love? I only picked two. Again, there's many more. What are the results of God's love? Let me put it this way. Because God loves us, He, he saves us. Because of the characteristics of God's love, He saves us. Now, God prepared His plan of salvation before the world was even created. It's not like He went, oh, well, they messed up. How am I going to get them out of this? This was in plan. This was in play. So, the plan of salvation flowed from a loving heart, and it is God alone who is the author of our salvation, our great rescue. There is no other way. I know the world would like to say, well, actually, it's this. No, it's this. And we think it's this. This is it. He is the author of our salvation. So the change that can be seen in sinners and the change that can be seen in the life of a believer is grounded in His mercy and His grace due to His boundless love. Again, I want to read a verse to y'all. You don't have to put it up. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did He do? He made us alive in Christ made us alive in Christ together. And listen, by grace you have been saved. We take that for granted. We take grace for granted so much. What love? Does God see something in us that is precious to Him in spite of our sin? Hmm, that's a good question, isn't it? And what Christ did on the cross, this defines love for us. Follow me for a second. If you take the wonderful awesome characteristics of God's love, and then you take the results of that love, what it does, and you kind of push them together, you got Christ at the cross. That defines love. That demonstrates love for us. That is our definition. It was an act of love that was once and for all the giving of his life for us. You know, Paul states in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. So God sent his only Son to die for us even though we were still sinners? If we ever, hear me, if you are ever feeling unloved, or if you have forgotten what real love looks like or feels like, I am telling you right now, the only place you need to look is to the cross. Because that is our definition of what true love is. Jesus Christ and the cross. So He saves us. He rescues us. That is a result of those wonderful characteristics that make up God's love. There's another thing. God sent His Son, right? Well, the Son sent the Spirit. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I won't abandon you like you did me. I'm sending someone. See, we are connected now to God forever. We are connected. He sent us the Holy Spirit. This is another result of His love. God lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, His power is available to us. Now, the Spirit is given to us as a gift of love. Don't think anything else. The Spirit that you have received is an absolute gift of love. We have been sealed. We have been set apart for a future inheritance that is guaranteed by the very Spirit who lives in us. That is amazing. The Holy Spirit is continually working in the life of each believer. We know that. We know the Spirit is working on us. And it's because, right, the result, if you will, of God's amazing and wondrous love. You can't escape it. We sang fierce earlier. It just dawned on me that this lyric was in there. You can't escape it. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Every one of us has a work that has began. We have a beginning of that work, that Holy Spirit. And God is going to see this to full completion for each and every one of us. Why? Because of His love. So let me just share. As hardened as people can get, there is a fact that still remains. That everyone wants to be loved. I don't care about some macho guy that says, I don't need no love. I don't need love at all. I'm standalone. No. Everyone wants to be loved. Everyone needs to be loved. They want to be accepted by another. That is an absolute fact. Now, when we faced rejection or even replacement by another, it can be devastating to a person's state of mind and their state of heart, which in turn contributes to the hardening of the heart. We get that. Folks, you can understand the concept of God's love. You can teach it. You can preach it. You can say and define the words mercy, grace, and love over and over. Well, let me define it. Let me remind myself. Let me define it. But here's the thing. Until you experience God's healing grace, let me say that again. Until you experience God's healing grace because of His wondrous love, we do not realize that we are loved now. Follow me. We are loved now is the key to truly understanding uh, what it is to experience God's love and grace. Maybe you depend on performance. 
Maybe you depend on success. Maybe you depend on achievements for acceptance. I have this to offer. I've done this. I've achieved this. Maybe these are the things that we are putting out there so that we can receive acceptance. We feel if we can just become better, if we could just be better, we will receive acceptance. And with this acceptance, we attempt to trade performance. We attempt to trade success. We want to trade our achievements for another's affirmation that we are loved by them. That's a lot. Hey, humans work like that. What do you have to bring to the table? Humans absolutely work like that. The problem is we assign human love to godly love, and there is our huge mistake. See, if you look at the characteristics of God's love and the results of those characteristics in action, you will begin to see that God loves you now, not when you get better. And I've heard many of you say, when I get better, when I learn more, I'm gonna, I'll be strong. No, He loves you now. So, not when you give more money, not when you've served so many years, not when you've memorized so many Bible verses. No, He loves you absolutely and positively right now. And guess what? He loves you just as you are. Just as you are. Folks, that's true love right there. That is absolute true love. Now, the kind of love that can be experienced with anyone else, it's different than this. It doesn't fit. Again, you cannot bring anything to the table, by the way, that will make God love you. You can't do anything or bring anything to the table that God make, will make God love you. There is nothing you can do that will make God love you. You want to know why? Because He already does. He already does. He loved you first. There's this illustration I absolutely love. In 1973, there was a newspaper that put out an article uh, about uh, an observatory. Some of you know I kind of like the whole space thing. Um, an observatory... In, at the University of California. And what happened was the scientists there picked up these radio signals. Get this. These radio signals, they believe, were estimated to be 50 million light years from the Earth. Do the math and I'll get back to you. 50 million light years. Now previously, right, prior to this, the only thing they know, had come to know was 10 million light years. They had received radio signals from about 10 million light years. Now let me go ahead. A, a light year... I'm going to pretend like I'm smart for a second, totally faking it. A light year is a, go, travels about 186,000 miles per second. 186,000 miles per second. In a year, it's 6 trillion miles. That's a lot. Mike, I don't think you've driven 6 trillion miles, okay? 6 trillion miles. Distances such as these are beyond our comprehension. I had fun trying to do the math. Forget it. Distances such as these are beyond our comprehension, but illustrate something wonderful. The infinite boundaries of God's steadfast love for us. Psalm 103.11. Psalm 103.11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. Go ahead and do the math. You try to figure out 50 million light years, how long that'd be, how far to travel. I know several of y'all are going to give me the answer after church. That is a massive distance that we just can't fathom or comprehend. It's a massive distance. And what does the Bible say? That's God's love for us. 
His great and steadfast love towards us is as high as the heavens. That is amazing. So how do we respond to such an amazing revelation of God's love? Well, we respond with conviction. This is important, conviction. The Holy Spirit works on us. The Holy Spirit prepares us, uh, helping us realize that we need a holy and perfect God. And this holy and perfect God loves us so much that He would die in our place. Now, we become aware of our sin and conviction. We become aware of His righteousness and conviction. And one of the biggest things is we become aware of the exchange that happens when He trades with us His righteousness for our sin. This great exchange. The conviction runs deep in a believer, and it runs strong because it breaks the heart of a person to realize and grasp this reality that Jesus died for them. That a God, the God, the one God, loves you so much that He would die for you. And that is the reality of conviction. We also respond with conversion. This is instantaneous. The total commitment of our lives to Jesus. Conviction leads to conversion. We enter into a relationship. That's what happens. We are entering into a relationship with Jesus Himself, becoming a child of God, becoming a child of His love. This happens. Community. Right here, right now. Christians are called to live their lives in a community of believers. The fellowship of believers is essential to our growth. In fact, a Christian living outside the fellowship of a church is, is actually a contradiction. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you say the, uh, see the day drawing near. We have characteristics, and from those characteristics we have these results. And we have to look at this go, how do I respond? Well, conviction. And folks, that's not just at conversion. We are convicted the rest of our lives as believers. If you are not being convicted of sin, or you're not being convicted of the, uh, the manner in which you're living, um, there's going to be a heart issue. There's a problem. We've got to go back to Christianity 101. We've got to get back to the drawing board. We know for a lot of you, conversion has happened. If not, by the way, hear this message if you don't know Jesus. We know conversions happen. We know the change. We understand His righteousness for our sins. And we know that we are to meet as a community. I'm going to come back to commitment. I want to come back to commitment. But these are results on our part. These are the things that happen in response to this love. See, the greatest need of mankind from the profound to the practical is love. I'm telling you right now, that is the greatest need is love. And for a Christian, love is a gift from God. And as we know, if we've, if we've come to learn, it is demonstrated in the cross. Now, my Bible had some really cool notes. My Bible said this, <clears throat> God's love for us always takes the initiative. And the love of a Christian is a response to that love. I think that is powerful. And I'm going to say it again. God's love for us always takes the initiative and the love of a Christian is a response to that love. I want to repeat Galatians 2.20, just, I mean, just because it's, this is important. It's, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, the response to that love, the response to that love, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That is the response. Because he loved me and gave himself for me. God's love takes the initiative and the love of a Christian is a response to that love. You guys know this verse. Matthew 22, 37 through 38. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first uh, great and first commandment. Folks, this verse, the reason we can say that wholeheartedly is because we have cause. We have great cause. We are to love God with every fiber of our being. Why? Because he first loved us and because of what his love looks like. See, Christians are expected to return love to God and love each other because they are experiencing and have experienced the love of God in their lives and in their hearts. We have cause. What is it? Because we have experienced this love in our own lives and our own hearts. God holds nothing back from you. He holds nothing back from you. Are you holding back from Him? Think about that. Paul states in Philippians, for to me, excuse me, for me to live is Christ. This is powerful. For me to live is Christ. Christ defines and demonstrates God's love. So for uh, for me to live is Christ means that we are proclaiming the gospel in and through our everyday living, which includes the definition and demonstration of His love. We love because He first loved. His love came first. Ours has cause. And what great cause. I know I keep saying this, but think about it. What great cause. We have to return love to Him and to each other. What a great cause. We have to return love to God and to each other. When a believer comes to truly understand or be reminded, like some of us here, just to be reminded of just how much they are loved right now, they learn to love God all over again. Yes, you can fall in love with God all over again. And we need to remember that. See, when we can return the love God has given to us, Remember in the beginning when I told you I was just uncomfortable, awkward in these places, that it was lacking? Or I think I might have said it might be non-existent. When we are able to return God's love, that means we become the difference. We can be the difference in a loveless environment. We can make the difference in a dark place. We can make and be the difference in a controversial situation. See, where love is lacking or non-existent, we can stand in the gap demonstrating the love of Christ, which we are called to do. Because Christ is the demonstration and definition of what God's love is, His characteristics, the results, they are all summed up in Christ. And what is our response? As Christians, our response is we love We love because He first loved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for this message, Lord. I needed this message desperately.
Father, this world is one that does not want to love. They first don't want to love you, and next they don't want to love us. Lord, it is a dangerous place out there. It is a dark, loveless place. How people treat each other, the way they speak to each other, Lord. The criminal activity, Lord. All the accidents, all the rage based on a loveless life. Someone is not receiving love, Father. And that's the, that's the problem. They're not receiving love. Father, if everybody could turn to you and receive what you are giving, this world would be a different place. We know that's what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be just like that because it's all based on your love. Father, help us respond in any situation we find ourselves in. Help us respond to the love you give us. You loved us first. Help us respond to that as believers, as Christians. Father, as lights, we may be the only person in a certain place or an environment or a situation that is the only one showing love. Help us stand strong in that. Even when it's tough, Father, let us look to you as our example. You followed through in commitment. And in your commitment, you saved all of us. Let us, Father, give us the strength to commit to you in love. Let us respond to your love as we act in your world. That's what we're praying for today. Lord, this world is going downhill, and it's going downhill quick. And from what I can see, my perspective, my opinion, is that Christians are the only ones, Lord, out there that can actually show the love of God in a godless place. So, Father, give us the strength and give us the courage, and let us commit to that for you. We thank you for your love, Father. We thank you for your love. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.